Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket. I want to welcome to the show an outstanding guest today. His name is Eugene Boduhovich. He's a global head, digital health incubation and innovation head at Bayer Health. And he's done a lot of things. He's really a results-driven and passionate entrepreneur and executive with a proven record envisioning, leading, and executing multi-million dollar revenue and growth initiatives domestically and abroad. He's a valued member of executive management teams with key contributions beyond the technology expertise. Strong interpersonal and communication skills have helped Eugene make an impact in our healthcare industry. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I really want to just open up the mic to Eugene to round out that introduction. And I want to welcome you to the show, Eugene. Thanks for being on. Thank you. It's really a pleasure. And uh, as we kind of chatted earlier, there's uh, dozens upon dozens, and, and I think at this point, hundreds of change agents in, in the healthcare system. And uh, I'm honored to be one of them. It has been, and I think will continue to be a long road. I, I'm really enjoying and I'm, uh, the journey so far, and I think there's a lot more work to do. And just to add to a little bit of that corporate readout that you did, um, you know, I think passion of mine really started probably around nine years ago. While I spent uh, many years uh, before that at uh, Metro Health Solutions, I started at the time New York Healthcare Technology Meetup and started with four people in a room. And then I think at this point, Alex Fair, who runs what's now called Health 2.0 in New York City chapter, has over 5,000 members. So we're kind of one of the early birds in New York City. And, uh, you know, the guys from Blueprint Health, Startup Health, kind of all, all grew up together. So, you know, the passion of mine is I think uh, magic happens when you bring different skills and different expertise together. And that really has worked over the number of years. So uh, happy to be here and look forward to the rest of the discussion. Uh, for sure, Eugene. And, and uh, you shared that story with me uh, about Health 2.0 and, and sort of uh, just the journey. And now you guys have a, a really strong foothold in that market and are the influencers in that area. It's such a great story. And, you know, the thing that kind of triggers me to ask is, how did you decide to get into the medical sector? It's interesting. I grew up in technology and uh, what I would call uh, geek. I had, you know, server farms. I worked for different industries, financial, entertainment. And then an opportunity actually came up to work for uh, Metco and kind of downloading that opportunity said, well, why can't I apply my technology skills to actually make a social impact? Selling widgets uh, in an e-commerce under a, a financial umbrella investment startup you know, that's interesting. You learn a lot of skills, but I think the applicability of technology and kind of a little bit of my definition of digital health is the realization that we as human beings now have that technology can save, extend our lives and prevent diseases and therefore spending more time, quality time with our friends, family and colleagues. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you kind of rewind to nine years ago in a room with a couple guys with an idea, and now you fast forward and, and you just kind of wanted to have the crossroads of technology and social impact, and you landed here. And so it's been nine years, and I'm wondering, what do you think in that, in that time, you know, and where we're at today, what's a hot topic that you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda, Eugene, and, and how are you guys doing it today? 
So on, on the medical leaders, I, I actually did a blog a while back that I think the future leadership needs to understand that technology-driven decisions or data-driven decisions are key, right? And I always kind of joke around that, you know, I think it's easier coming from a technology and becoming a business person than you starting with business and going into and understanding the technology, right? <laughs> so, and, yeah. and I think we see some great examples of this. Um, you know, just last night, uh, I had very much of a, a great conversation with uh, Rasu, who probably should be on your show as well, from okay. UPMC Enterprises. And he really been driving this message home at UPMC here in Pittsburgh and beyond. So I think the understanding of the technology and what the impact it could have. And a good friend of mine, Manish Juneja, always says, you know, our body generates data 24 by 7. And we're only at a cusp of capturing and understanding. So to answer your question, I think at the top of the agenda is healthcare is health and care. And it should really be all around health and not health care. And how do we get there's, again, understanding what impacts our bodies. So for all the medical folks is really understanding, embracing the technology, but also the human behavior and the human factor to help. That's a really great point that you're making there, Eugene, and just kind of the body, you know, what Manish said. It just consistently giving, giving off information and what is it that we're doing to put the care in healthcare instead of the sick care. And if you had to identify one thing that, that you guys are doing right now to make that happen, what would you say that is? I will actually start with something interesting. I mean, and this is not unique to Bayer, right? These are pretty much all large organizations. The speed that the organization moves and that customer focus at the end of the day, whether it's Bayer or a hospital, we exist in order to improve patients and human beings' lives. And the way we actually started engaging, because especially in the pharma world, it's been molecular development, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the molecules. What I loved about Bayer when, when I got approached is actually a three divisions that are part of Bayer, which is the pharma, consumer, and crop science. Okay. And to me, this was a very unique and interesting company that has been actually innovating for 153 years now. And to me, it, it is about food and nutrition. How do we feed people? How do we relieve their pain? And then, of course, the chronic disease management. So the full cycle from health and wellness to the worried well to chronic disease management. So the reason I'm saying this, we also realized early on, which was very much of a grassroots movement at Bayer, we launched the Grants for Apps program. And at the time, okay. five years ago, it was literally for apps and these small grants. How do we engage with the startup community out there? that is pushing the envelope, that is willing and able, actually, to move much quicker than large organizations. So we've evolved that program now over the course of five years. We've tried many different things that some worked, some didn't. And uh, this is year five. It's an accelerator, which is somewhat typical of an accelerator. But the only difference is, and that's what actually attracted me to Bayer to come about a year ago, is this accelerator was also culture change. And I know this is a broad answer on what are we doing, but I think engaging, changing the culture within the organization to adapt that you know, really customer-focused view. And what I mean by customer, it is the human being at the end, has been driving that change within buyer. We, we now graduated 14 startups. We'll be announcing our next 
batch uh, sometime in August. And the beauty of this is we are looking to solve challenges that the industry does. So there's no really secrets about it. So we're we're very open with it. We're open with our challenges as a program. We're open with our challenges as there. So you can actually go to grants for apps and see all of the challenges that we identified that range from speeding up clinical trials to very specific therapeutic areas. So early detection of endometriosis is an example. These are no secrets. And so being open about it is actually the key to moving the system forward. That's a really great idea that you guys are, are initiating. And it's simple, right? It, it takes it back to the basics. But what you guys are doing is providing a jolt of entrepreneurial spirit and also uh, fast-paced thinking through this uh, accelerator that potentially the goal is to have it permeate through the rest of the organization. And so you've been there for a year. How have you seen the impact of this uh, accelerator at Bayer? The interesting part is I've actually watched and have been a big supporter since literally day one. You know, a lot of it is serendipity. And, and Annette uh, Jesus, Jesus is, uh, he's going to kill me, but I call him the grandfather of the program. And, <laughs> you know, he's not a grandfather. But, you know, it really started with passion. And the impact, to be fair, initially was really all around that culture change. It's, it's the only accelerator that I known at the time that actually placed it inside the walls. You know, a yes. lot of other uh, pharma companies invested into accelerators, which is very hands-off. There's no engagement from, from the company community. This was a huge culture change. I actually remember with my previous hats on trying to work with Bayer, which is, you know, going through a security process to just get in the building. And all of a sudden, there's a kickoff and a demo day with the red carpet, open doors, the Pfizer's, the Merck's, the insurance companies are all invited, wow. four or 500 people. So I think the culture change is the biggest impact that I saw. The second piece is really uh, an interesting virality factor. It just really, uh, the team was functioning as a startup by itself. Literally, almost relatively speaking, no budget compared to large organizational budgets like this. And uh, really, from public relations, I have 300 pending LinkedIn requests pretty much every week. And these are young individuals that just want to come work and contribute their passion. So that's the second piece. The third piece, of course, at the end of the day, we are a for-profit entity. And we've tried a number of different models. The first one was quick grants. The second one, you know, uh, let's pick a specific challenge. But year two, the brand name wasn't known. So that didn't work that well. Then we opened it up really wide. Let's see what is, what is there. And then we kind of found, well, you know, some interesting stuff. But uh, how does it relevant to the buyer therapeutic areas, as an example? Because ultimately, while we want to find those disruptors, as an example, Bayer sold off the diabetes business. There's other competitors and companies that are focused strictly on that. So this year, we actually decided to open it wide. So you can still apply for pretty much anything. But we highly suggest to apply to the specific challenge. The second part is we also launched a program called DealMaker. Because what we heard from the startups, and I had one myself, while okay. venture capital money and investment is great, actual deals to make an impact to the patient and get the scale and understanding of how large organizations work is even more powerful. So this year, we got over a thousand applications between the accelerator and the deal maker with much more mature companies, which I feel yet to see how the organization behaves in working with much more mature companies than the accelerator company. So that's, that's really, a long-winded answer to, uh, to your question <laughs> of the impact, right? But, but the impact, that you can't count it with one KPI. Sure. And I think that's a really interesting thing that you guys are doing there, Eugene. As the listeners sort of try to grasp 
this opportunity to be more creative, be more innovative, and infuse their organizations with a faster-paced culture that will help them adapt to the healthcare trends of today. What advice would you give them? You know, it sounds like, and the and the most striking visual that you walked us through here was. First, you got to have high security and you're using your tag to get into the building. Next thing you know, red carpet and everybody's in there, right? That's a culture change. And so that's not easy to do. What tips would you give to the listeners trying to do that in their organizations to really make that happen? I love this question, right? Because I think, and I look at many large organizations, if you think about a definition of a corporation, it's executing flawlessly on an existing business model. So any distractions are seen as distractions, but how do you move forward? And unfortunately, there's no one prescription because cultures of organizations are very different. But I think there's some common themes, and the common themes is passion and following your passion. And as an example, uh, and I'll use Jesus as an example, you know, I think at the time, most people just kind of thought, wow, this is, this is a bit crazy. Bayer is a very conservative company, but he pushed and pushed and evolved, right? And I think that's the other aspect of it is that nobody knows the answers, right? When we talk about kind of the digital revolution, if people had a crystal ball and had the answers, I think we wouldn't need change agents like ourselves to push this. It's around exploration. It's around trying things, but within the frame. As a quick example, though, People say, well, innovation and data privacy and, and security and, and regulatory. And to me, those are not opposing factors. You need to take those things into consideration. You need to uh, oblige, but also push the envelope within those constraints. So in summary, passion is one, two, just keep pushing and basically be the CEO of your idea. One thing I find very interesting, you know, we have 100,000 plus employees at Bayer. And part of my team also runs an internal crowdsourcing of ideas platform and internal startups. Mm -hmm. And if I had a penny for every time somebody would put an idea in, but every time I would ask them, so would you be willing to be the CEO of that idea? A lot of times the answer is no. It's a cool thing. What if we can do this? Great. But who's going to do it? Who's going to drive this? Eugene, that's such a great point because, you know, you have a lot of ideas and the grave is full of them. And a good way to pressure test whether or not somebody's going to stand behind the idea and see it through is asking that question. Are you willing to be the CEO of this idea? At the end of the day, you know, the name of, the, of your show is <laughs> Outcomes, right? And at That's the end right. of the day, it is about outcomes, right? And of course, you know, your focus is on kind of patient outcomes, but I also compare it to any of the ideas, it is about outcomes. And ultimately, it is about outcomes for the healthcare consumers. Because digital health, while every industry needs a buzzword, and this is the one, and Matthew Holt would argue that it's smack health. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that or heard that. but I had him on, a, on the show as well, and he's talked about smack health. Yep. Yeah, and you got to love Matthew for, he's great. Uh, for that. At the end of the day, it almost doesn't matter what we call it, right? And That's part true. of this is actually, but again, every industry needs some buzzword. And I think part of that outcomes is that people are still exploring, right? The industry as a whole, whether it's pharma, whether it's insurers, whether it's the payers, it's still unknown, right? There's some, of course, early evidence. And I think to me, this is the interesting part is that that persistence and that venture capital that's coming in and the entrepreneurs that are, want to change the, this healthcare system are now really 
be focused not just on raising funds, but actually producing evidence. Because ultimately, us as a consumer, it doesn't matter which system you're in, whether you pay cash or you pay through insurance or your taxes, it still comes out of our pockets. And just like if you would go buy a widget, you want to know what it's going to do for you and why I'm going to pay extra for it. So uh, I'm not trying to compare health to a widget, but just trying to stress a point that ultimately I need that evidence. What will this particular app, tool, sensor, watch, iLands, whatever the hell it is, will do for me and my health? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of a stretch, but at the same time makes the point, Eugene, that, you know, consumers are starting to become more educated. They're starting to demand more and truly understand what it is that they're getting for what they're paying. And I think one of the opportunities for anybody looking to make an impact in this industry is helping consumers understand what they're getting. Uh, I think there's a big opportunity in that space as well. So Eugene, tell me what you have experienced as far as setbacks. I feel like we learn a lot more from setbacks than our successes. Can you take us to a moment where you just kind of hit the bottom and what you took out of that? Uh, So I'll probably rewind actually all the way back. So I I was doing kind of full-time at Medco Health and I met this entrepreneur, kind of uh, Dan Kogan, who was basically a one-man garage show. And um, the company at the time was called Health World Web. And he asked me actually to join the company, right, uh, as a kind of co-founder. You know, the first thing I said, we need to change the name. That's a little 80s. But the second piece is, again, discovering what could potentially be that business model. And just to give you a premise, this was around end of 2007, 2008, where this was one of the first social networks in healthcare that would recommend doctors based on algorithms, right? Mm-hmm. And the big setback was, you know, we're working hard to kind of rebrand, restructure, figure out the model, the business model around it. And then instead of going for the consumers, we decided to really focus for, on B2B, which also actually kind of jived with the evolution of Health 2.0 Digital Health, which we can talk maybe separately and then we got to present in front of Fred Wilson with this new model. Fred Wilson is uh, part of Union Square Ventures, one of the most pro- prolific investors in New York. And we presented the new model. And after our pitch, he says, hey, have you thought about going for the consumers? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and we kind of, you know, we've been beating our head against the wall on the consumer side. Right? And of course, at that point, even though you, you can say, well, we just changed the model to this, but that was our original one. It was one of those head-banging moments, right? Yeah. So that's kind of at a personal level. I think from a corporate perspective, and, and again, not unique to buyer, but you know, I think Metco had the same, and you know, I worked for entertainment industry and financial industry. I think the biggest challenge you struggle with is the way I describe it is a light bulb was not invented by the candle maker. And so when you're trying to disrupt the, uh, and this is a typical innovator dilemma, Everything from cash flows to the existing business model, that's the biggest challenge, right? And, and you hit that every single time in every single large organization, at least I've been through. Now, this is the good, good message here. And so, you know, we got the, the downside. Now, let's look at the upside. We, can you share with us an exciting project or focus that you're working on today and what that looks like? Yep. To the extent I can, and again, I think from a generally pharma perspective, there's no secret, right? We're looking at things like real-world evidence. At the core of this is, you know, evidence takes time to produce, but it's actually all about real-world data within the constraints of the data privacy. So we are looking at sensors. Uh, Part of my team actually sits on the West Coast in Silicon Valley that's pretty engaged also with a lot of the startup activities 
artificial intelligence, machine learning, and really experimenting other new biomarkers that could be leveraged to improve patient health, right? So non-interventional studies that do take into consideration sensors, analytics, so as broadly as I can, that's one of the focus areas. The other aspect is we are engaged and involved with the typical pharma model around multi-channel marketing, but stressing the patient journey component of this. We are looking, and I think as our next batch of grant perhaps accelerator uh, companies will be announced, you'll probably clarify, you know, you'll see quite a bit of what are some of the challenges we're trying to solve. So I'm happy to follow on with that. And if you can maybe add that to the link notes uh, sometime yes. in August. We also have basically uh, what we still call an incubation unit that's filtering and going through everything from challenge-based ideas to really focus in on, at the end of the day, what is the outcome to the patient? So um, broadly speaking, you know, real-world data and real-world evidence is a high focus for us. And then solving challenges, as I mentioned, there's 30 of them. I can't announce the four startups that hit one of those four challenges, but certainly will be clarified around it. Yeah, absolutely, Eugene. And so Outcomes Rocket listeners, what I'll do is in the show notes of this episode, if you go to outcomesrocket.com slash Eugene, you'll be able to find a link that'll take you to those challenges. So if you are an entrepreneur looking to take up a challenge that's uh directly related to what Bayer's looking to tackle. Check that out. It seems to be a really good opportunity. And for the more established uh, companies and hospitals, uh, leaders that are listening, take a look at the notes as well for some of the links on, on how to infuse your your organization with innovation and that entrepreneurial spirit. I'll post the article that Eugene wrote in the show notes as well. So Eugene, let's pretend that, that you and I are building a medical leadership course on, on what it takes to be successful. It's the ABCs of Eugene Boduhovich. And so <laughs> I'd like to write out the syllabus by getting some brief answers. It's going to be a lightning round, four questions, and then we'll finish it up with a book that we'll add to the syllabus. You ready for that? Yeah, ready. <laughs> All right. So what's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Focus on the patient and human behavior. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not including patients and healthcare consumers in the process. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Continue to change. The only thing that's constant is change and you got to embrace it. What is one area of focus that drives all else in your company? Digitalization. And what would you recommend the book that our listeners should read? Exponential Organizations. Who's the author? Uh, Yuri Van Heest. He co-wrote the book. He's a Singularity University fellow. It is about four years old, I think, at this point, but very high relevance. How do you Beautiful. build an organization that can scale exponentially? There you have it, folks. That is the Eugene Boruhovich 101 course on what it takes to digitalize and innovate in healthcare. Be sure to check out that book, and I'll include it in the link at outcomesrocket.com slash Eugene. So before we conclude, Eugene, I just want to ask you to share one closing thought and the best place that the listeners can get a hold of you. So my thought is keep pushing. Really, it does take persistence. And there's many stakeholders involved, especially in the healthcare. There, there was a little bit of a study to say, you know, to get a product out, I believe it was in the asthma market, you have to convince 32 stakeholders, right? So persistence, be the CEO of the idea. And then you can always find me on Twitter. Even my own team knows that if I'm not answering emails, uh, just tweet me. Uh, <laughs> and it's Ed Health Eugene on Twitter. 
Outstanding. Eugene, I really appreciate your thoughts. I definitely think that our discussion is going to trigger some really interesting waves of, of innovation and uh, people will hopefully step up to your challenge of being the CEO of their own ideas. So really want to thank you for spending time with us today and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.